for those of you who missed last week or are joining us for the first time, welcome. Uh, we're going to be trying something that's new to us as a church, but not new to many of you. And it dates way, way back. It dates way, way back to the time when, when God's people, the, the Hebrews, when they would greet one another and when they would go forth, they would, they would say a particular word, and that word is shalom. Very good. And it's a beautiful word. Beautiful word. Rich in meaning. means a lot of things. It means in part peace. God's peace be with you. And as part of that peace, it means may God grant you with more than you need for the challenges that lie ahead. So how wonderful would it be to have people speak God's peace into our lives regularly? Well, you're probably walking around, probably not a whole lot of people say shalom to you. So we want this to be a place at least once where in your week, uh, as, as much as we can remember, you can count on us expressing God's peace to you. So even though for a lot of you this might bring up some bad memories, we want this to be sincere and I'll try to remember each week uh, to, to say, the peace of the Lord be with you all. And if you could respond back to me. Isn't that a beautiful thing? We need, we need peace. We need peace. Well, in our English language, there's a word that, that doesn't do as good of a job as shalom. But it, um, it reflects that idea of, of having more than you need. Having more than you need for the challenges you face. And that word is up on the screens. That word is margin. It was up on the screen, but it's still up on the screen. Margin. And thank you for anticipating here in the queue. Um, margin is a word uh, that, that means this. It's the amount available beyond what's necessary. And I encourage you to write that in your, in your notes. We, we include a place to write these things down. Uh, I, they pointed out to me uh, this morning that they said, you don't give a lot of margin on some of these lines. There's one in particular today where you write really small. Um, but margin is the amount available beyond what's necessary. Uh, here's, here's an example of that. We, we could give a, a, a whole lot of them. Um, well, no, let me save that example for a second. Let me, let me just make this point at this time. Um, in some cases, margins are preset. In some cases in our life, there are margins that are preset for us. If you're driving down the road, they, they say drive here, and they give you a little margin. Or my computer, my word processor, presets a margin for me. When I fire up my word processor, it automatically gives me an inch and a half on each side and an inch at the top. So some cases, margins are preset for us. But margin doesn't just apply to roads. It doesn't just apply to word processing. And today what we're going to do is we're going to apply it to time. We're going to apply margin to time, which I believe is an important and God-honoring thing. If you want more shalom in your life, you want to apply this idea of margin to your lives. And here's another thing I'd encourage you to write down as we continue this. Here's one of the reasons why this is so important. As time margin decreases... Stress increases. As time margin decreases in your life, your stress in your life will increase. Now, here's the example that I prematurely started to give. Let's say it's Saturday morning, and you don't have anything scheduled until noon. And you're asleep in your bed, and you roll over, and you see in the clock, and the clock says 7.30. You don't have anything till noon. You feeling stressed? No, no, most people are, unless you've got something real stressful in your life. But, but in most cases, you're not. Now, let's take that example, change it just a little bit. It's still Saturday morning. You're still in bed. You still roll over and you see 7.30 on the alarm clock. But this time, you realize, I forgot to set my alarm and I'm supposed to be at the airport in 30 minutes. Now, are you feeling a little stress? Yeah. In fact, you might be feeling, ah, kind of stress. When the margin decreases, when it comes to time, our stress increases. When we have less than we need, for what the challenges we face, we start to feel that stress. And here's another thing that happens when time margin decreases. Another reason why it's important. 
And this is the one where you don't have much space at all to write this down. Consider it intentional. <laughs> consider it intentional. It's not, but consider it. Um, as time margin decreases, the quality of our relationships decreases. That's a big deal, isn't it? Because no one wants the quality of the relationships to decrease, but it does. When time margin decreases, when you don't have the time that you wish you did to invest in relationships, the quality goes down of your relationships. When you're in a hurry, when you're running late, when you're feeling overextended, isn't that when interruptions feel most like interruptions? If you have lots of time and someone comes to you for help, or you have lots of time and, and someone close to you wants, wants to talk, it doesn't feel like an interruption. When you're stressed, when you're crushed for time, you may be physically present, but mentally you're someplace else and you're, and you're moving along. And, and when we put too much on our schedule, those who matter most, they're often the ones that get cut out when we got too much going on. And so it negatively affects our relationships. And because there's so much more to do than can ever be done, because overcommitment has such significant consequences, here's what wise people do when it comes to their time. At least one of the things that wise people do when it comes to their time, there's a place to write this down. Wise people say no to good things so they can say yes to the best things. That's something that wise people do. They don't try to do it all. I got this, uh, ironically, this was mailed to our church. Um, it's, a, it's an ad. It's a clever, worse, work, clever use of wordplay. So if you are in marketing and you did this, nice job with it. But the message is also very wrong. Um, <laughs> this is from Lifetime Fitness. And it says, I can do it all in my lifetime. Nice wordplay. Horrific message. Because you can't do it all in your lifetime. If you try to do it all in your lifetime, you're going to blow everything up. The things that matter most. And this was sent to our church. <laughs> so there's some good, good irony there. Um, you can't do it all in your lifetime. So what wise people do is they say, I can't do it all. I'm going to focus on a few things. And I'm going to give my best to these things. So that I can experience the best rather than, than not. Uh, here's a great quote along these lines that I, that I really appreciate. Devoting yourself, devoting, try that again. Devoting a little of yourself to everything means committing a great deal of yourself to nothing. Let me say that again. Devoting a little of yourself to everything means committing a great deal of yourself to nothing. Isn't that true? Well, rather than filling us with a great, greater sense of fulfillment, when we speed up and we try to pack too much in, it, it, it can have, often have the opposite effect. You can end up feeling empty. You can end up feeling just burned out. Instead of having a greater quality of life by trying to just speed up the pace, it can have, uh, have some negative negative associations with that. And here's the thing about this. And one of the reasons why we need God's help, this isn't an issue that's just going to work itself out. A year from now, if you do nothing, you won't just find yourself less busy, less committed. That, that's not how it works. There's a great book, and I, I use the word great um, intentionally. It's called Margin. Have any of you read this by Dr. Richard Swenson? All right, a number of us have. This is a fantastic book. It came out 20 years ago. And this is a doctor who wrote this, and he's a Christian doctor. And like a lifeguard who, who, who can't stand to see someone drowning, here this do Christian doctor said, I'm seeing all these people destroying themselves physically, emotionally, in every way possible because they're too busy. They've eliminated margin in their life. And they're running too fast, and they're running without margin, and it's killing them in, in, in every way. And so he wrote this book. And he, he makes a lot of great points, but one of them is this, this point that was counterintuitive to, to what our society thought. There was a day back in, in, in um, not too long ago where, where people thought at one point as a culture, as we become, as we create and invent things that, that make us more efficient, 
we're going to have so much free time that we don't know what to do with it. People used to believe that, you know, and, and we created microwaves, which sped up cooking immensely. And, and we created these phones now where we can find just about anything we want very, very quickly. And, and we can send information out now immediately, things that we could have never done before. But has life slowed down? And 20 years before we get, had smartphones, look, listen to these words and see if this isn't true. Instead of the work week, work week shrinking, it is expanding. Instead of free time increasing, it is decreasing. And in spite of time-saving devices, we have less time. The spontaneous flow of progress is towards increasing stress, increasing complexity, and increasing overload. In other words, if we sit back, we do nothing about it and watch it happen. Next year at this time, we will have less time margin than we do right now. Well, if you're already feeling marginless and you do nothing, imagine feeling even less margin than you have right now. People's schedules were crazy 20 years ago. They're even crazier now. 20 years later, after this book, despite all the things that now take less time to do than they did back then, Americans are working more hours, getting less sleep, and feeling more stressed than ever. In fact, when I was going down to Juarez, I was in the airport, and I saw this Newsweek. This is the cover of Newsweek right now. Ah, I'm crazy, you know? We have all these new tools. We have all these new, new, new things, these things that, that, that should make life better, right? Easier to really connect. Easier to get information. We, it, it's having the opposite effect. It's making folks crazy, crazy. And if you ask most people these days, how are you doing? And, and you get beyond the good, fine. Um, if, if you really ask how they're doing, most people would, would say something like this. They'd say either I'm busy, I'm stressed, I got too much to do. And if they're really honest and, and really reflective and they go even below beneath that, some of them might be saying I'm scared of where this is taking me. I'm, I'm feeling empty. I'm concerned. You know, th this is a real issue. It's a real issue for, for us. Most people are li living a life that is not physically healthy. I need caffeine right now to get up in the mornings. This is not physically healthy, right? Not physically healthy. Few people are experiencing a quality of life or quality relationships that they want. Few of us really have those deep, rich friendships or deep, rich relationships that we desire so, so, so deeply. Very few people, very few people are living a life where they can, they can, they can go to bed at night saying, ah, I'm doing what I was supposed to be doing. I'm living the life that I was meant to live. And even fewer people than that are investing quality time in God's presence, quality time in God's word. And as a result of that, they're not hearing God's voice with clarity or regularity. They feel disconnected from God and his purposes. And they rarely, if ever, have this wonderful experience of God working through you and in you. Some of that that I've just described might describe you. At least a little, right? At least one of those things in that long list. And if that's the case, it's not going to turn itself around. If you walk out this door and go, yep, I agree with that, and nothing changes, a year from now it's going to be worse than it is now. I'm talking to myself as well as you. I'm letting that sink in. It will be worse if changes aren't made. 
So let's go to God's word. Let's see what he prescribes as change, and then let's invite his help in this. And let's start here. If you have your Bibles, let's open up to the book of Ephesians, chapter 5. And we're going to look at verses 15 and 17. And as you're turning there, or, or turning it on in your, in your, your mobile device, um, let me just be completely forthright with you. I thought this was going to be our big text for today. And it ended up being just a jump-off point. I thought today what we were really going to focus on is that whole, hey, people of God, say no to more things. Say no to more things. And should we do that? Yes. But this passage became a jumping-off point for something else. It became a jumping-off point for something that was, I believe we're supposed to say yes to. Something we're supposed to say yes to. So let's start here, and I'll take you on the journey real quick where I believe that the Holy Spirit led, led me this, this week. So here we go. Uh, Ephesians chapter 5, start with verse 15. Look carefully then how you walk. And by walk, they mean as you, how you live. How you live. Look carefully how you walk, how you live. Not as unwise, but as what? Wise. Be wise. Why? You should make the most of the time because the days are evil. Don't be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Be careful. Be wise, the scripture says. In fact, it says be very careful. Be wise. Make the most of the time God has given you. If you want more shalom in your life, don't just ask, is this something I could do? As, as you consider what you're going to put on your calendar, don't just go, oh, yeah, I have an opening. I could do this. That's not the wise question. Uh, the, the wise question is also not, um, is this something I want to do? Is this something that would be enjoyable? That's not always the best question either. Begin asking, is this wise? Let me, let me, let me show you what happens when, when we don't. Um, as Americans, here's a, here's a statistic I want to put up. The statistic is this. The average number of minutes that married couples spend in meaningful conversation per week is what? 21. Okay, so in a week, in a week, the average American couple will spend 21 minutes in meaningful conversation. And some of you are going, wow, 21, really? That's 20 more than we do. Wow, that's amazing. All right. Now, in a, in a moment here, don't put it up yet, but in a moment, we're going to contrast this with another slide. And the other slide is going to give you the average amount of minutes that the average American spends in front of the TV. Do you think that number will be higher or lower? How many say higher? All right. Now, in your mind, think about how much higher. Got it? Here, here's, here's the stat. This comes from Pastor Greg Rochelle down at Life Church. Dr. B. The average number of minutes the average American spends watching TV each week is 1,680. Could you spend your time that way? Yes. The days being what they are, is that the wise use of your time? No. I, I, I would argue no. Just for fun, please repeat after me. Just because I could doesn't mean I should. That's an important thing to remember. Now, I want to go back to an illustration that I talked about earlier. A couple minutes ago, I said, with my computer, my computer presets my margins for me. When I, when I go to do my Word documents, it, it gives me an inch and a half on each side and an inch on the top, inch on the bottom. Do I mess with those margins all the time? All the time. Is it okay to mess with those margins? Yes. They're just suggestions. It's just a computer. It's just a starting point. They just say, hey, here's a starting point. As you make your documents, use this much margin. As I wrestled with 
this stuff and as I've been wrestling with this stuff, I'm coming to the conclusion that God's presets, when it comes to time specifically, aren't in that same category. That when God presets our week, when, when, when God who created a, a seven-day week, when God gave us a preset on this week, I believe it's one that we, we're not just supposed to just say, well, this is a suggestion. I believe it's one that we would be wise to strongly consider. Strongly consider. Now, I can't today speak with the same authority on this that I could say with, say, don't set up an idol in your house and worship it. All right? That one, everyone in this room, in case you're wondering, that's not a good idea. Okay? That's actually wrong biblically. It doesn't matter who you are. Just don't do that. Okay? Don't set up an idol in your house and worship it. Okay? That's all people, all of us. I can't speak with that same authority on this one, but my hope for you is that as we look at these things together, you're going to go to the Word and you're going to look at this and you may come to the same conclusions that I do on this one. So I'm, I'm, I'm encouraging you. And that's one of the reasons why I say open up your Bible so that when you look at it, you can go, okay, here's the context around here. I'm going to mark that. I'm going to come back to that. Or, or jot down notes. Because don't just listen to what a speaker says. Process it. Wrestle with it. Okay? So let's wrestle with this as quickly as we can. Here's the, here's the, here's the passage I want to start with. When it comes to a seven-day week, Here's where I believe the preset begins, the one that God's given us. And this comes from a portion of the scripture called the Ten Commandments. And even if you're not a church person, you've probably heard that before, the Ten Commandments. This is one of those ten. As retold here in Exodus 20, uh, chapter 20, beginning with verse 8. Remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. Holy means set apart, distinct. Six days, do your labor, do all your work. But the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall do not do any work. You or your son or your daughter or your male servant or your female servant or your livestock or the sojourner who's within your gates. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea and all that is in them, and he rested on that seventh day. He rested on that seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. Now most of us have heard this idea of Sabbath before. Again, it comes from one of the most familiar passages of the Bible, the Ten Commandments. And what's, what, what I find especially beautiful here. Is, is there's two places you can find the Ten Commandments all written out. Exodus 20. Does anyone know the other? Deuteronomy chapter 5. All right, you can find it in both these places. In Deuteronomy 5, as Moses retells through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, the Ten Commandments, look what he adds. This is beautiful for those of you who feel tired and worn out and, and a slave to, to busyness. Remember, you were a slave. And, and God's people literally were slaves in Egypt. He says, remember that. You were a slave in the land of Egypt. And the Lord your God, he brought you out from there with a mighty hand and outstretched arm. Therefore, the Lord your God, he commanded you to keep the Sabbath day. Think how we could spend a month of Sundays on that, couldn't we? What a beautiful thing that is. You were slaves to harsh masters. You were slaves who didn't care about margin. You were slaves. All you were to them is you were a commodity. And, and, and you were just pouring yourself out for them for no value in, in, in you other than what you could produce. That's what you used to be. And I brought you out, and I've got a commandment for you. Rest. Rest. I have a commandment for you. Now you're my people. You're not their people anymore. You're my people. I brought you out. Rest. What a beautiful, what a beautiful gift this is. Building on that, here's what it says in Exodus 23. Uh, chapter 23, verse 12. It says this. Six days. Do your work. 
on that seventh day rest that your ox, your donkey, they may have rest. The son of your servant woman, the alien, they may be refreshed. In fact, I, we, we type this passage out in your notes. I'd encourage you to circle that rest. Circle that word refreshed. Sabbath is a gift of grace from a caring God to his people who says, those of you who were enslaved to rushing and working nonstop, seven days a week, I want, I command you, I command you, I command you, rest. Now, one of the reasons I've come to the conclusion that this is beyond a suggestion is looking at passages like the one I'm about to show you. And again, I would encourage you, do this on your own. Don't just take my word for this. Go and find an, a tool like BibleGateway.com. You can go there online. Type in the word Sabbath. You're going to find a, at least 150 references to this. Look through them and see if, if these things don't line up. Look at the strength of language when, G, when, when God talks about his Sabbath. The Lord says to Moses, Lord says to Moses, you're to speak to the people of Israel and say, above all, keep my Sabbaths. This is a sign between me and you throughout generations. That you may know that I, the Lord, sanctify you. You shall keep the Sabbath. It's holy to you. If anyone profanes it, they shall be what? Put to death. If anyone does any work in it, that soul shall be cut off from among the people. Six days shall your work be done. But the seventh day, it's a Sabbath of solemn rest, holy to the Lord. Whoever does any work on the Sabbath day shall be put to death. Therefore, the people of Israel shall keep the Sabbath, observing the Sabbath throughout their generations as a covenant forever. It is a sign forever between me and the people of Israel that in six days the Lord made heaven and the earth. The seventh day he rested and was refreshed. Now, we're starting to see here that there's more than one facet to the Sabbath diamond. In fact, I made a note to self some, some year. I want to I spend a whole series on this idea of Sabbath because it's, it's a diamond with many facets. And one of the facets is this is about rest and refreshment. There's another facet here, and it's the facet of who God is and what he's done. A day to remember. I'm using the word recalibrate here. Um, a day to recalibrate, to say this is this world does not revolve around me. This is my life is 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 not not like that. There is a God who created all there is. There's a God who cares and loves. There's a God who rescues and redeems. And, and this 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 God is holy, and and He's good, and we're to listen and to to obey Him. So Sabbath is about rest. It's also about recalibration, a pausing to remember that, and in severe strong terms. He says, I'm God. Do this. Do this thing. Now, many of you who are familiar with the Bible, there's, there's probably some red flags coming up. And, 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 and the red flags are coming up in the sense of, what, okay, but what you're doing is you're just showing Old Testament here. And aren't there many things in the Old Testament that we no longer observe? And isn't the language very, very strong? In fact, aren't there things that said, do this and, and, and you'll be put to death? Then that we can just now look at it and say, well, yeah, but we're under, you know, under God's grace. Well, I'm not telling anyone to go kill a Sabbath breaker. All right, that, you hear me clear on that. Um, in case there was any doubt, let's put that to rest. Um, but Sabbath, boy, when you read those 150 verses, and I didn't read all of them, when you read those passages, there seems to be something qualitatively different here about Sabbath and some of those other practices that set the people apart. Did Sabbath set them apart? Absolutely. There seems to be something qualitatively different. In fact, if you look at Jesus, was Jesus himself a Sabbath keeper? Yeah. 
He wasn't a Sabbath keeper in the sense where Sabbath had become something that God never intended it to be. Sabbath had become oppressive. There were so many laws about what in the world you're supposed to do on the Sabbath that the people were just being oppressed by that. Sabbath wasn't refreshing. Sabbath was, watch your step or you're going to be in big trouble. And, and, and it even got to the point where they weren't helping each other on the Sabbath. Jesus actually had to teach these people, yes, it's okay to help other people on the Sabbath because they'd lost sight of that. So Jesus was a Sabbath keeper, and a Sabbath keeper as, as, as God intended the Sabbath to be. It appears as though Sabbath is, is this thing that, that hasn't been revoked. I don't see Sabbath being revoked. And that's why I would encourage you to, to, to write this down and then reflect on it. Wise people schedule a full day of rest and recalibration every Saturday or every Sunday. Now, we have... a a whole lot of stuff. The reason I didn't write Saturday or write Sunday is because I don't know the answer on that one. You can make a strong case for a Saturday Sabbath. You can make a strong case for a Sunday Sabbath. And you can use the Bible for both of those cases. As I look at the scripture, I can't make a strong Sabbath case for Monday or Tuesday or Wednesday or Thursday or Friday. I can't. Maybe you can. Maybe you can. And I would love to see that. I would love to see that. But, but, I can't, and that's why, as, 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 as a pastor, I want to be faithful as best I can to what I see in the Word of God, and not just go off of my feelings or my thoughts, but, but, or what other people are preaching, but as best I can see it. But I'll also try to do what I just did right now, give you those disclaimers. I think it should be a Saturday or Sunday thing, as I look at the Scripture. A full day of rest and recalibration. Is it a sin to Sabbath another day of the week? I, I don't know. I don't know. I just know I'm not comfortable promoting another day of the week when I look at what the scripture says. In fact, and this is convicting to me. <laughs> you should have seen me the first hour. <laughs> um, this is convicting to me. I, it, the more I look at the scriptures, I, I see this as a lordship issue. Are you willing to put me first and trust me with this? Are you willing to put me first and trust me? You, you, you know, Many of us in this room, we say God is Lord of our life and and uh, we won't rob banks, you know, and, and God's like, great. And, and I won't abuse puppies. And I don't think that's in the Bible, but, you know, the principles are there. And, 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 and these kind of things. I won't do this. Will we trust him with our schedule? Will we say, you are Lord of my schedule. You go first. The rest of my life revolves around you. Or do we say, here's my schedule. Oh, God, I, I'm going to pencil you in on, on Tuesday. I think Sabbath is a big step towards God's margins. And here's the beautiful thing, though. Here, here's the beautiful thing. And this is what really messed me up that first hour as I really started reflecting on these. This is out of 1 John chapter 5, starting with verse 3. This is the love of God. This is the love of God that we keep His commandments. And His commandments are not what? They're not burdensome. Everyone who's been born of God, they overcome the world. You want to overcome the world? I want to overcome the world in the good ways. And this is the victory. This is the victory that's overcome the world. Our faith. Are you willing to put your faith in this? That this is going to be good and that it's not burdensome. Are you willing to put your faith that if you spent a 24-hour period of time on the day of God's choosing and you devoted it to rest, that that wouldn't be burdensome, but that it would prove to be a good thing? And in the day when this was given, this is where I, I think it, it was contextual. In the day that it was given, for them, rest meant physical rest because they had been slaves. 
They were toiling in the desert. For some of us who toil at computers or, or toil in meetings or toil thinking all the time, for some of us, it, rest might be physical. It might be get out and, and do the things that bring you great joy and rest. Go play softball. Go, go for a long walk. You know, do the things that are going to rest you. Are, are you willing to put in faith in God that if you did that on the day of God's choosing, that that wouldn't be burdensome? Are you willing to try that? And what if we invested a 24-hour period of time each week on the day of God's choosing to say, God, I'm going to hyper-focus on you this day. I'm going to hyper-focus on you this day. I'm going to vote this 24-hour period to filling my mind and my heart with you of trying to listen, of trying to slow down, to try to be aware of your presence and your guidance. Specifically for this hour and 15 minutes that we have together in this room, or and the, and the, the time on other sides. I want to challenge you very countercultural right now. And if I'm shooting myself in the foot, so be it, so be it. We live in a, communi- a, a consumer culture. We live in a consumer culture. People spend billions and billions and billions, billions of dollars to, to get us to say, have it your way, have it the way you want it. We're here, to, we're here to serve you. What if for 24 hours, and, and in fact, what if for an hour and a half on, as we gather as God's people, what if we didn't come as a consumer? What if when we gathered during this little part of the Sabbath, because this isn't the Sabbath, this is one little part of the Sabbath. What if we, when we gathered in this part of the Sabbath, what if we came and we said, God, I'm here to meet with you and be used by you and be aware of your presence. And what if when we came in and we saw somebody that, that we know, what if we really asked them how you do it? And not just the good, fine, whatever. What if we really asked them? What if we really did this connection piece that the scripture encourages us to do? What if that was part of our Sabbath? Really blessing somebody by really listening. You're not an interruption right now. How, how are you doing? And what if, the Bible says so much about welcoming others, welcoming strangers. Welcome, what if we saw somebody we didn't know? And what if we said, okay, here we go. And we introduced ourselves. And, and we said, I'm gonna, part of my Sabbath is, God, I'm, I'm going to be aware of that. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try my best, as much as it depends on me, to, to encourage and welcome people. Or maybe people you've seen here a long time, but, but maybe you've, you've noticed that they haven't been able to make that connection yet. Would, would you help with that? And when we come into this room, I, as best you can, what if, what if we started coming early for that? We built in now two minutes before we even start the service where we're just trying to quiet our hearts and minds. And the Sundays I do that, worship is more powerful for me. What if we said, okay, God, I'm going to do the best I can, as much as it depends on me, to, to get here earlier and, and not kill my kids in the process and... <laughs> And, uh, and, and what if I'm going to take this time now? Father, clear my mind, clear my heart, hyper-focus me on you. And what if when the song started, instead of just, I mean, consumers, you know, we were actually talking about this with some of our, our staff and team leaders. You know, it's almost too easy now. We might have to switch things up in the room because it's almost too easy. You can walk in like it's a movie theater and you can grab something to drink and you can grab a snack and you can sit down and go, wow, all right, if the music's good, I'll tap my feet. If the, the message applies to my life, I'll, I'll tune in. Otherwise, I'll just, you know, type on my... You know, what if instead we said, if I need the coffee to wake up, great. I'll slam it, put it under my chair. I'm here. What if I need a little snack to take the edge off hunger? Great, so I can focus, great. But now I'm here. And what if during the, the songs we engage God? What if during the teachings we were, we were opening the scripture, reflecting, writing things down so that we could take this home? What if? Would that be burdensome? 
Or might that spill into the rest of our weeks? Might it, might it help? And, and forgive me if it feels like I'm doing this because it's the same thing with me. You know, I, I, I run into those challenges. So what if? What if we did that? What if we did that? Would it be burdensome or might it provide some rhythm? Might it remind us then on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, I want to live with a greater awareness of God. I want to seek his rest and his peace throughout my week. So here's my challenge for you today. I brought back the hourglass. We only have a certain amount of time. We don't know how much that is. You know, our, our, our clock is ticking. And what if we said to God, the source, maybe not ticking there, it's ticking. What if, uh, <laughs> illustrations don't always work, but what if, what if we said, God, here's, here's the life you've given me, it's yours. What if we did this with our life? What if we said, okay, God, I'm going to trust you with it, and it's yours. Starting today, not starting tomorrow, starting today, it's yours. God, help me with that. And we're going to need help with that. And one of the reasons I got really emotional the first hour is because it was really sinking in. Of, I, I need help with that. I, many of you are in the same spot where you're like, I don't know how to do Sabbath without putting in 15-hour days, Monday through Saturday. And, and I don't know right now. But I'm going to start asking, seeking, and knocking. The Bible invites us to do that. Ask, seek, and knock. I'm going to start asking, seeking, and knocking until God answers through his word, through an impression upon my, my mind, or through the help of other people. And if you're in that situation where right now you don't know, how do I do that? How do I, how do, I do 24 hours of rest without 15-hour weeks? Start asking, seeking, and knocking. God wants to help, and his people want to help. So start asking. Some of you are in a situation where, well, I have to work on Sunday. I get that. <laughs> I get that. Now, now my, my job is synced up with this pretty well. But, um, but some of you, again, I, what I'm not talking there are other principles that come into play here, right? Being responsible, some of these other principles. So you may not know how to do that. And in fact, maybe God has called you to that. I don't know. What I am saying is this. These are strong words. Seek, ask, seek, and not. God, am I supposed to be in that role? If yes, what does that mean? If no, help. It used to be that our culture synced up with God's margins a little bit better. That Sunday was a day you couldn't, you know, find as many things going on. There weren't as many sports. There weren't as many these, that, and the other thing. Seek God on that. It could be that God is saying, you know what? This is bringing you rest and refreshment. This is part of your Sabbath. You know, that might be the case. It might be that God has gifted you as an athlete and, and those tournaments are, are that weekend. And you know what? This is how you glorify me. It might be. But if the Holy Spirit starts to speak and saying, no, this has become an idol, then pray and say, God, okay, then what does that mean? What would you have me to do? Today, we have the courage to ask, to surrender without conditions, unconditional surrender. We, we start there and say, God, here's my life, and here's all the mess that you already know. Will you help me? Will you help me to be able to live in this blessing of rest and recalibration? So before I ask you to pray that, I want, I'm going to give you a little bit of time, and we're going to ask the worship band to come up. They have a powerful song here um, that, that imagine God speaking this to you and you interacting with God through the, the, this song and if you want to sing along you, you certainly can otherwise just soak it in but the question that's going to come your way afterwards is are you going to join me in praying a prayer of surrender to say God here it is I don't know how this is going to work but I'm going to trust you with it I'm committed 
to doing whatever it is you ask me to do when it comes to time. Is it making sense what we're doing? Okay. So either, either soak this in or, or participate. Thank you.
words like that seem too good to be true. Don't they? And, and that's precisely why the gospel of Jesus Christ, the good news of Jesus Christ, that he came to do what we couldn't do so that we could be reconciled with God, that's precisely why that gospel has changed lives and will change lives in every, among every tongue, every tribe, every nation. Because this is what we were created for, to connect with a God like that who loves, no one else loves us like that. So would you please stand and join me? I'm going to pray. And if this is something you also want to pray, you can pray it in your, in your heart, in your mind. If you want to verbally say amen, whatever is going to help seal this for you. Father, we come to you now. And we thank you that you have offered this blessing to us. Forgive those of us who have, have had pride that, that we're so important that we can't take a day off. Or, or those of us who have allowed ourselves to be in a situation. Or, or those of us who just, we've never wrestled with this before. We've just let this slide. Lord, whatever our thing is that we need to confess, we're sorry. Lord, thank you for extending this blessing to us. And this day, right now, we choose to say, okay, um, you be God and, and, and we'll be us. And, and this preset that you've given us, this gracious preset, may you show us how we establish the rest of our lives around it. We offer you our lives, our schedule. We, 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 we offer it back to you. We acknowledge we humbly acknowledge that it was yours to begin with. And we confess our selfishness in trying to grab and tug and, 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 and hang on to something which isn't ours to hang on to, and which we don't do a great job anyway of, of stewarding. So, Lord, we, we, we put that on, on your altar, and we ask now for your mercy and your guidance and your, your goodness to show itself as we ask and seek and knock as to what this looks like. Lord, I pray now for rest, shalom to fall over this, this, this group, that you will give them peace that you can show them and you want to show them the way, that you will grant them that, that deep sense of forgiveness, that, that yes, absolutely, all, all their sins are forgiven, and that you will also help us now. Give us that confidence that you who formed mountains can move them as we go forth and, and face you know, these, these obstacles that would keep us from your rest your, um, the recalibration. Lord, convict us. Holy Spirit, when, when there's something that would take us backwards, show it to us and then give us the strength to move forward. So Lord, we commit these things to you in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Now just as when I step up, I'll try to say the peace of the Lord be with you all and you say all this with you. We're going to try to remember to leave you also with this blessing and kind of this challenge. Go in peace. Seek and serve the Lord. All right. God bless you. Have a great week.